Somebody's going to go bridge here. It's better time. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gombridge Podcast, episode 49. My name is Andrew Gardner, joined alongside by Alex Clausen and Steve Brady. Boys, how are we doing today? Back in Durham, baby. Big Woo! stuff. Big stuff. Yeah, Gombridge will be in person very shortly. But this week, we got a little surprise for you. Clausen, this episode is in person. Some of it is. Not right now, though. <laughs> this part is not. Unfortunately, uh, feeling good because we got yet another guest on right now. We told you guys to stay stay tight, hold tight. We would have another draft pick on the show. About two weeks later, got eighth round pick Hunter Dobbins, pitcher from Texas Tech, coming on the show today. So, yeah, this is a busy episode. Obviously, a lot going on right now with the Sox. So we've got a lot of Red Sox talk that we'll get to later in the episode. Uh, but first up, we've got the interview with Hunter. So before we throw it to that, you guys got anything to say? If you listen to the last one with our good friend Christopher Troy, then you already know that this is going to be a top-tier episode of Gone Bridge. So I hope you enjoy. Yeah, shout out Hunter for thinking that we can all throw 92 we'll see about that great guy certainly see about that uh but yeah stay tuned because uh as i said after the first one i'm gonna say it again this might not be the last one so stay tuned and without further ado hunter dobbins All right, today we are joined by Red Sox eighth-round pick pitcher Hunter Dobbins out of Texas Tech University. Hunter, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Uh, Just going day by day down here, enjoying the life of a pro baseball player. Uh, Took some getting used to, but just rehabbing, getting healthy for next year. Yes, so you're coming off Tommy John surgery right now. How is that? How's that going? Uh, pretty good. I I would honestly say that uh, at this point, this is probably the best uh, my body has felt uh, in a long time. Arm feels great. Uh, started throwing here pretty soon. Uh, so just kind of one of those in the final stages of the rehab part. Uh, throwing parts coming up pretty quick. So uh, looking forward to next season. That's for sure. For sure. So are you are you down in Fort Myers right now, or or where are you at? Yeah, I'm down here, uh, Fort Myers. That's awesome. And have you um, have you been obviously training with the team, training with the the rookie class? How's that been going? Yeah, uh, I've, I'm actually down here. Uh, Chris Troy is actually my roommate down here. Oh no so, way! Uh, yeah, so I've been hanging out with him, uh, doing all my workout here. Really, all I've been doing is just lifting weights, putting on some weight, and uh, getting stronger. But it's uh, and then also kind of helping out around the rookie squad and all that and helping out any way I can. Love to hear it. I mean, I want to say personally, congratulations, congratulations on getting drafted. Obviously a huge accomplishment for a baseball player, obviously. And I just want to ask you about the draft real quick and kind of pick your brain on what your mentality was going to the draft. If you have any expectations on where or when you were going to go, just whatever you got. Uh, well, first, Really appreciate it. Uh, it was 
pretty exciting time, especially with my uh, dad being a lifelong Red Sox fan. It was kind of, but just kind of a full circle, pretty cool thing. But uh, going into the draft, you know, it's I've been talking to the Red Sox for a while. Uh, just kind of really like the fit uh, with player development, all that. It just seemed like a really good uh, fit and really good plan. So whenever the day came, I knew it was going to be day two, especially with not throwing a single pitch this past year. I uh, knew that I was going to be kind of where I was. So when the Red Sox called, it was a it was a quick yes. Absolutely. I mean, hear it. Um, so we go ahead, Chief. No, not the all you, all you. I was I was going to back it up a little bit. If you could kind of start taking us through your baseball journey, we know you grew up in Texas. Um, you know, kind of growing up in Texas, sports in Texas are huge. Um, you know, how was it kind of getting into baseball for you? Um, I know football is huge in Texas. I'm sure there was a lot of draw to go do that. Um, so you kind of take us through your baseball journey. You can start as early as you'd like um, up through Texas Tech. Gotcha. Uh, so we'll just start right here. Is, uh, my dad was actually a professional ball player. He was all the way up to AAA with the Diamondbacks. Um, so and he, he was a pitcher as well. So he kind of took me under his wing as I came up, taught me how to pitch. He never forced me into baseball. Just kind of that always – I always was drawn to the game. Uh, like you said, football definitely runs Texas uh, without a doubt. So got into high school, actually was playing baseball and football. I was our quarterback, ended up tearing my ACL uh, the season after I committed to Texas Tech. So it was, uh, I guess the commitment was good timing. <laughs> but uh, ended up bouncing back really well from that. Uh, went to Texas Tech as a two-way, as a third baseman. Uh, Position-wise, I'm not sure how, like, y'all keep how much y'all keep up with uh, like minor leagues around the country. But the third baseman in front of me ended up going eighth overall. So I obviously knew I wasn't playing third base. Uh, so started focusing in on the pitching part of that, and uh, at Tech. Got to pitch in Omaha my freshman year uh, against Michigan. That was just an unreal experience. I was pitching in front of that crowd. It was just – I'll remember that forever. Uh, sophomore year, I was a starting pitcher as well as coming out of the bullpen every now and then. Uh, then COVID hit. Uh, and then that is actually the last game I have pitched was before COVID hit, which feels like a decade ago. Yeah, seriously. But, uh, yeah, in the last team I actually faced was Mississippi State. So I was like, I got to face a group of dudes from that team. That was, that was a pretty fun game. But then uh, I was ramping up to be one of our weekend guys at Tech, one of our starters. And two weeks before the season started, throwing an inter-squad game, blew out my elbow. And I just knew it immediately. That's a, I mean, that's a tough feeling. So we know that you've gone from starter to reliever and you've kind of bounced back and forth. You kind of gotten the whole experience. Do you have a preference between the two now that you've kind of gotten drafted, you know, have the Red Sox given you any indication of where they want you? Um, I think the step one is just to get fully healthy, make sure my arm can hold up and all that. If it was up to me, definitely be kind of the starter role, just kind of, I've seen that I've had a lot more success through the starter role. Uh, I've 
I'm kind of one of those guys that the first inning, I won't be topping out, but come fourth, fifth, my velo will increase as the game goes on. Stuff gets better. Uh, so, I mean, it's one of those that that's – if I had to pick, that's what it would be. But at the end of the day, it's whatever whatever they need me to do to uh, help the big league club. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that your roommate um, is Chris Troy, who we talked to a couple weeks ago. And, and he said the same thing because he had Tommy John surgery. And he said when he threw that pitch, he felt it like immediately in his, in his elbow. So have you talked with him at all? Kind of like I know you're more towards the back end of your rehab process, but I know he's gone through like the same thing that you have. So have you picked his brain about uh, kind of coming back and what, what he did? Uh, yeah, we definitely talked about it. I mean, CT and I, we've gotten pretty close. We, uh, we have those kind of open conversations, uh, you know, um, the point that I'm at in my rehab, you know, all there's really left to do is keep putting on weight and just start throwing the ball again. But I have definitely asked him like, Hey, like, you know, that first week of throwing, is there anything that I need to look out for? Like what hurts? And he just kind of gave me that wisdom was like, you're not going to trust it at first. You're going to be a little hesitant. You just got to trust your arm, trust your rehab, and just get back out there and throw. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's a difficult process, and I'm glad to know that so yeah. far that has been going as good as it can be. And so going back to what Alex was saying, just growing up in Texas and being a baseball fan, I guess, being drawn to the game, were you uh, – a fan of the Red Sox like your dad was? Were you a fan of one of the Texas teams? What was going on there? So, obviously kept up with the Red Sox, just watching games with my dad. But honestly, I was never really, like, a big fan of a certain team. I was a fan of, uh, like, certain players. I know, like, my the guy that I watched the most growing up was Ian Kinsler, just because when I started, I was a second baseman, and I was a guy who was in Texas, so it was, like, just easy to keep up with, but uh, just kind of just watching like pitch on the pitching side, just watching like the great pitchers uh, when, like when I was growing up is just kind of what I keyed in on, like starting to like pick little things up like, oh, this guy throws this pitch in this situation. Oh, he, he really hammers this when he's on the mound. Just that kind of stuff of, of just kind of really learning and studying all the great starting pitchers that did that before me yeah absolutely so uh what are you pitching what are you throwing I know you haven't thrown in a while but uh prior to your injury what were you uh throwing for pitches what was your uh, arsenal like so I actually throw three different fastballs so I'll throw uh my four seam which actually turns into a cutter which is kind of my primary. Uh, then I'll throw the traditional two seam with some run on it. And then uh, have been working on kind of finding out how to throw one straight that'll be a couple miles an hour faster just for, you know, when you want to light up the radar again, you got to be able to reach back and let one go. Uh, then I'm a circle change and curveball guy with a, a probably a heavier emphasis on that curveball. It's a pretty gross, uh, pretty gross rotation of pitches you got there. So we got, um, speaking of lighting up the radar gun, the three of us have a little bet going that if Uh-oh. we had, <laughs> if, we had right. st- if we had, we're asking everybody, if we had six months to train, 
could we throw 90 miles an hour? So, I mean, right now, none of us have, have really committed the six months straight to training, but do you think that any of us? Hold, hold on. I, six months? I got to hop in because Alex always phrases this in a way that doesn't sit well with me because <laughs> these two, the when it first started, it was like a uh, year, six months, whatever it is. with it like five, it five years originally. That was... Yeah, it started at five years, went down to a year, and now all of a sudden somewhere at six months. I don't know how that happened. I don't know where that came from, Boston. But the whole point is, like, if we had a professional pitching coach, if we really focused on it, could we hit 90 miles per hour? And you obviously don't know us and how, like, what our builds are. I'm going to tell you right now that they're not optimal for throwing 90-plus miles per hour. And I'm in the party that I don't think – we even have a prayer of getting there, especially now that all of a sudden the timetable is six months. I mean, I don't know what you think being a guy that actually, you know, can throw a baseball professionally. I would love to hear your opinion on this. Well, to the build question is uh, you can definitely look at some pitchers that are in the MLB and you can just be like, how does that throw 95? I mean, the Good build point. one is just kind of like, eh. But uh, 90, are we talking, like, off the mound, or are we talking, like, crow hop? Like, oh, definitely off the mound. mound. Definitely oh, off the mound. Off crow the hop mound. would be kind of a gimme, I think. All right. um, a gimme? <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, like, a 15 to 20% chance. Okay. You know, I, I would definitely – I would give you all, like, mid-80s. It's, but that uh, 85 to 90 jump is uh, – something serious seems pretty big yeah i uh i gotta say i kind of i kind of talk the talk and say that i can do it realistically most definitely could not do it but uh you know who knows who knows yeah hey you'll never know if you don't try exactly well that's the thing is we have no idea where we even sit right now so the question kind of like I don't know. We got we got to figure out our readings. It's an extreme hypothetical right now. It really is. And the way that the bet aspect of this comes in is because I was so in the negative when it first happened. I told these two that I'd like buy them Red Sox tickets if they ever touched 90 miles per hour. So I feel pretty comfortable with my wallet right there. I don't think that's (laughs) that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, you know, it's one of those. I would love to see it live when y'all do. Uh, y'all, y'all definitely need to like live stream that on something so we can all tune in. All right. But uh, you know, I think yeah, the right training is possible. All right, I'm taking that fifteen to twenty percent to the bank. <laughs> Feeling a lot better. Coming from a pro baseball putting, player means a lot. Putting money on those odds, right? <laughs> yeah. Are you? Are you, Alex? You you willing to double down on that a little bit? I mean, I think those odds have to be pretty good. You put a hundred bucks on those odds. That's a it's a hefty payout. That, that yeah that is <laughs> well turn it back to you <laughs> how fast can you throw i think i i saw in an article you could throw up to 98 obviously you haven't aired it out in a while but what were you touching uh pre-injury and what are your expectations like you know within two to three months once you can finally start ramping it back up um when you're back from the injury so i was up to 98 uh couple of months before I blew out my elbow. Um, I will comfortably pitch kind of in that mid-90s range. Uh, that's when the cutter and the two-seam play, how I like it, um, especially with my changeup. My changeup will drop 15, 
17 miles an hour from my fastball. Uh, so just kind of that's where I'm comfortable with my kind of repertoire and, and how everything affects each other. Um, but I, what I kind of say is the cool thing that, you know, I don't know if it'll be any better or what, but like I'd heard that my elbow actually been hurt for a little while and I'd been throwing a couple months with a compromised UCL, which is means my elbows really loose. I don't have the whip that I normally would. And that's when I actually touched 98 was when I had the compromised elbow. So it's one of those that, you know, with the rehab, the surgery and the strength program that we have with the Red Sox, uh, I'm definitely a lot stronger. I weigh more. The elbow is obviously a lot healthier than it was. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that there's a day I turn around and see triple digits, but you know, it's one of those, as long as I can get back to where I was, I'm really confident in my kind of pitchability and kind of ability to help the team where they need it. Uh, with that in mind, do you have any guys that you um, try and emulate, you know, compare yourself to that are in the majors now that, um, yeah, is there anybody that you, you like to compare yourself to or, or hope to be like? Well, the, the hope to be like one is pretty easy, and that's Jacob DeGrom. I mean, it, it's, I think good. every pitcher in the world wants to be like that guy right now. Well, I guess not right now, but you all <laughs> know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, hey, you two are in the same I'll, boat right now, so it's easy comparison. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But I think, like, um, it's kind of a – it's not your ordinary comparison, but, like, a guy that's in the bigs right now that has kind of the same delivery – and pitch arsenal that I have would be Michael Walker. You know, it's I've been kind of like mechanically. He he's actually played at A and M. I'm from the town that A and M is. It uh, so like I kind of watched him. Maybe that's where it kind of came from. But uh, that's I would have to say like my delivery and motion. That's kind of who I would compare myself to. So would you? throughout your entire baseball career describe yourself as more on the side of a power pitcher or a finesse pitcher uh up to this point definitely a finesse uh just because the velo is a newer thing um i've always been kind of one of those that location over velo 100 percent. because i mean being in baseball for as long as i have i've seen a lot of guys that can throw super hard but I have no idea where it's going. And those guys kind of end up dying off a little bit. Uh, I, I took the Greg Maddox approach for a while, you know, pitch where I'm comfortable, make sure I can hit those corners. I can throw the off speed. And in return, my, I would actually say that my curveball is my best pitch. Uh, but obviously now with some, some velo, it's definitely not the most fun pitch. Because I mean, I like reaching back and letting one eat every now and then. But uh, until I see otherwise, I would label myself as a finesse guy. That I mean, that's really that's worked out for a lot of guys in MLB, especially guys who have uh, you know longer careers. And you get a guy like I don't know Zach Granke, who who came up as a power pitcher. But if you want to stay in the league for a long time, you gotta kind of transition your game into that finesse pitcher. We've seen it with. Uh, like Sawamora this year, you know, he's, I think like mid to upper thirties, same thing with Koji a couple years ago. So that's definitely uh super important. Um, I want to kind of turn it back to college. So obviously we've, we've mentioned that you grew up in Texas. 
I was going to Texas Tech an easy pick because, you know, you wanted to stay in Texas, kind of rep like the hometown team, or would you, uh, you know, have rather gone somewhere else? So kind of hindsight 2020, now that I'm out of it and uh, just kind of can look back, I wouldn't change my mind for anything. The stuff that I learned at Tech, the coaches I had, the strength, uh, like development, all that is just, in my opinion, unbeatable. You know, the relationships there I'll have forever. And uh, Tech was actually an easier decision because, uh, so Tim Tadlock, who's the head coach there, he actually coached my dad when my dad was playing junior college baseball. Oh, wow. And so I, cool. I knew that, he, yeah, I knew he was a really good coach. I knew that he was like player development was going to be unreal. and He was going to push to get the best out of me every single day. And so it's like one of those, I can't thank those guys enough for putting me in this position. And just like uh, my freshman year, trusting freshman me to go out there on the College World Series stage and just go to try to get us out of it. And it's one of those, uh, can't thank those guys enough. Now, it was definitely controversial because uh, being from Call Station, you know, home of the 12th man and the Aggies and all that, uh, there's not a lot of guys that uh, up and leave for a Texas team whenever you're from there. But, you know, it's one of those that uh, I'd, I wouldn't change it. There's actually me and another guy from, my, from there that he went to UT. So there's two of us that left. So it wasn't just me. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a pretty easy decision and I just wouldn't change it. Uh, and growing up, were you a A&M fan? Were you a Texas fan? I mean, I know Texas was, was much, much better than they are now than, um, or much better then than they are now, but did you grow up an A&M fan? So my dad's a diehard A&M fan. Uh, so I like, I grew up going to those games and stuff like that, but, uh, I actually became a Texas Tech fan whenever uh, the first Texas Tech sporting event I ever saw was the Michael Crabtree catch against UT. Okay. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I saw that, and I was a Tech fan from there on out. So whenever Coach Tadlock went to Tech, I was like, oh, that's the easiest decision I've ever had to make. Makes sense. Did you ever meet uh, Pat Mahomes when he was on campus? Uh, I met him once. Yeah, and it was, and he's, think? I can also tell you, he's one of the most down to earth guys ever. You know, if, uh, if it wasn't for like the hair and just now knowing what he looks like, you'd never know him by the way he walks around and, and like carries himself. That's wild. Cool. I mean, he was like, I mean, I know he was a first round pick in the NFL draft that year, but I mean, he, he was never really like projected to be, you know, the top player in the NFL like he is right now. No, but it was one of those, uh, Watching him do what he did at Tech was so much fun. You know, as our our defense had more holes in it than like Swiss cheese that year. <laughs> it was like it was horrible. But you know, the stuff that he was able to do on the offense to keep us in games when we were giving up forty points, forty five points a game, is just unreal. And so it was one of those. Uh, it was it's really cool to see him continue that in the NFL. Yeah, very crazy. I mean, they did a lot for Texas Tech, Texas Tech athletics, but you guys on the baseball team uh, in 2020 also did something pretty big, too. Uh, you're the first Texas Tech team uh, to be ranked number one since 1997. Uh, so obviously there was no like college World Series that year because of COVID and you guys weren't able to finish out the season, which 
we know for a lot of athletes really, really hurt. Um, but what was it like even just getting that recognition as, you know, we are the number one team in the country and, and how much pride did you take in, in being a part of that? So it was really cool. Uh, like, you know, whenever you're told like, Hey, you guys are the team to beat. Like, no discussions about it. I mean, obviously, it's really cool. Uh, Tadlock, he does a really good job of kind of, kind of instilling in us the whole be where your feet are mindset. You know, just because you're number one this week doesn't mean you're going to be number one next week if you don't take care of business kind of uh, situation. But it's like one of those that it was, it was really cool to see it, especially because uh, – you might have to double check me on this, but I'm pretty sure the three years I was there, we never dropped out of the top 15. And so it's just kind of the the players that they pull in nonstop and the way that they push us to be the best that we can. But it's just kind of that new standard. If we're not in the top 10, we're like, what's going on? And, you know, that's the standard that we want around that program because we've worked so hard to get it there. And now, uh, it's like it's one of those Omaha or bust. That's the mindset, and that's how that's how we like it. Uh, that sounds like a similar mindset to kind of how Red Sox fans are, and kind of how the whole organization is. You know, at least uh, Sox fans don't really stand for those like down years. Um, and I mean, they're pretty tough, as you probably know. They're a pretty tough fan base. Um, you know, team isn't one of the best in the league. They're kind of right on them. Um, so it sounds like you're kind of used to it, right? Oh yeah, it's one of those that. Uh... I'll be right at home because it's one of those that's like the way I look at it is the Red Sox fans aren't like being like down on the team. They're just they're, we, the Red Sox have set such an expectation and have pushed ourselves to be what we are, you know what I mean, that the fans expect it and honestly just kind of want to see the team produce at that level because, I mean, I mean, Red Sox are some of the best fans that they're, I think, in all of sports. And they want to have something to talk about. They want to have something to brag about a little bit at the family dinners and stuff like that. And it's, a, it's our job, literally our job, to give the fans that stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, speaking just from us, the Red Sox, like Red Sox Nation, I guess you can call it, is – some of the most diehard fans. I'd probably say we're the best fans in the MLB, you know, to, to be That's humble not, right now. Definitely not a biased take. To, to be <laughs> humble right now. But Clawson made a good comparison between Texas Tech fans and Red Sox fans. But living in Texas your entire life, potentially, like, as you get through the system, moving up north to New England, have you thought about that transition from the Texas lifestyle to the New England lifestyle? Because I know it's probably pretty different. Uh, I've thought about it a little bit. I mean, it's one of those that uh, definitely going to need to pack an extra jacket or something because I'm not a cold guy. Uh, can't handle the cold at all. But it's one of those that I know I'll feel right at home being around all the Red Sox fans, and I've heard – never been there, but I've heard Boston is just a magical place to be, and I can't wait to experience it. And it's one of those that uh, as long as there's barbecue and Dr. Pepper, I'll be right at home. <laughs> Definitely got a lot of that. I mean, it's probably not as good as it is uh, down in Texas in the south, but I know we got definitely definitely Dr. Pepper and good barbecue. Um, who Who would you say so far? I mean, I know you've only been in the organization for, for what, like – 
not even two months now. Uh, but who would you say has been your biggest mentor so far? And and like has Heim Bloom reached out to you or anybody from the off uh, front office? Um, yeah, we've had a couple of like the pitching coordinators uh, talk to us and stuff like that. Uh, you know, Bloom's kind of got his hands full right now, that's for sure. And he's trying to get the guys ready to roll and hopefully uh, roll into the playoffs. But uh, the communication's really good. Talked with a bunch of the pitching guys. Uh, I would definitely say kind of the biggest uh, mentor so far would be uh, Sad Ward. Y'all know him. Uh, yeah. He's he's down here doing his Tommy John and stuff like that. And so he's kind of teaching me the ropes, uh, telling me what to expect, and just kind of pushing me to meet all the standards and all that we need to down here. Yeah. So, like Gardner said, or Andrew said, you've only been in the organization for two months. And I'm sure that it's one of the weirder transitions that anybody can experience. Has this transition been better, worse, seamless compared to the transition from high school to college? Um, I'd say it's it's been a pretty easy transition. You know, it's one of those that uh, we definitely get pushed really well at Tech, like in the weight room, nutrition, just kind of in our daily work. Uh, so like kind of moving over here, they definitely uh, do things different, but like in a good way, you know, everything's really individualized down here. So I think kind of the biggest transition would just be getting used to the rain every single day down here, uh, especially being a golf guy. Uh, it's one of those that it was actually the second day we were here. Uh, a couple of the guys and I went to golf and it was perfectly sunny. And then not, I'm not, exaggerating here 10 minutes later we were caught in the middle of a like giant lightning storm and so being from a guy from the desert that sees rain like twice like two months out of the year it was a culture shock yeah but uh overall i would say it's been a pretty easy transition uh so speaking about your golf game i i played a little bit in high school i'm, I'm not the worst golfer in the world but i also played baseball for a while and a lot of kids i played golf with played baseball too and whenever we would switch to baseball in the spring the coaches would always kind of get on us and say you know you've got your golf swing and then we'd get to this fall when we play golf and our coach would say you got your baseball swing do you feel like you got the same deal like you know what are you what are you shooting around right now uh so I'm still getting my swing back now that I'm allowed to play golf. But uh, before surgery, I would say I was kind of a mid to upper 70s guy. Uh, talking, I, I played. Talking 18 or? <laughs> no, that's my uh, sixth hole round. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I played golf a lot, you know, kind of growing up. That was my escape from baseball was uh, I would go do like some of the youth tournaments in Texas. I played. I actually played golf instead of baseball my freshman year of high school. Wow. Uh, so it's just kind of one of those. I went to a small private school that first year of high school, just needed a break from baseball. So I went and played golf. That was a lot of fun. Uh, the next time we talk, there's a, I have a couple stories on that. Was not the best planner. But uh, anyways, like now, kind of getting back into the swing of it. I think the, I shot an 81 the other day. So finally starting to get back to it. 
still pretty good. I gotta say, better than better than I can do. And I see nice. behind you, you got you got some irons behind you. Yeah, that's a buddy of mine stole my bag for the day because he needed one. So he's got all my irons. I think I I have way too many clubs here. So I've been buying a bunch of seeing what works best. Uh, by the way, I'll need to go to the Costco and get you some of those uh, Kirkland wedges. Those are the best things I've swung in a while. My friend, uh, my friend bought a pair and he said they're the best investment he's had. And he's had, you know, he went from like Vokey wedges to Kirkland's and he loves the Kirkland's way more. Oh yeah. I, I can honestly tell you, I spin the ball so much better with the Kirkland's. It's honestly insane that you can get three for the price of one and they're better. Right. Good, good to know. All right. Well, once you come up to Boston, we'll have to play around the four of us at some point. Um, so do you have, this is another question we ask all our guests. Do you have a, a favorite baseball movie? Oh, uh, I have a tie for the top. You know, I kind of have the mm-hmm. traditional field of dreams. I mean, you just, that's got to be one of your top ones. And then my other one would be Bull Durham. Oh, wow. There you go. All right. Yeah. Yep. Have you seen, I, know, uh, I know a lot of people probably say Sandlot, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's hard to beat the Sandlot just because you got the nostalgia factor in it. If you're talking about straight up what's a more quality movie, you could probably say Fail to Dreams is better. Probably say Moneyball is better. I know Andrew likes Moneyball, but those are two really solid choices. Can't really get on you for those. Oh, yeah. I mean, speaking of Fail to Dreams, actually... Field of Dreams game this year happened. That was a pretty solid game. Did you watch that? I uh, did. We all we all kind of piled into the hotel rooms down here and uh, watched it. And you know, it was almost like it seemed scripted. Just the walk off home run for the White Sox and all that. It was just I don't think that game could have gone any better for the MLB. No, oh, no way. Uh, so one game to watch the Yankees lose. Yeah. <laughs> So one quick final question for you on the line of movies. Have you seen Fever Pitch? I have, but I I can't remember much of it. It's a great once you make it up, you gotta that's gotta be the first thing in the line. That's gotta be the first thing in the movie lineup. It's a it's a classic. You should uh, well, prioritize other movies. You gotta <laughs> I think you gotta prioritize prioritize some other movies first. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's a little cheesy. A little cheesy. Um, well, uh, that's, that's all I have to do down here is play video games and watch movies. So I'll just start watching all the baseball ones. You big, knock out. Yeah. You big MLB The Show guy? You play any of that? Uh, starting to. I'm an Xbox guy. So, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't been able to play it too long. But uh, I'm starting to get into it. You know, it's one of those. Uh, I'm more of a Halo, Call of Duty guy. Uh, but – you know, starting to branch out, starting to, you know, acquire some new taste. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume that it's probably nice to kind of get a break, you know, when you're not playing baseball, to not even think about it and play some other games that aren't, aren't baseball related. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's why some of the guys will be arguing about it in the locker room about which player is better. And I was like, guys, we live this. Like, <laughs> this is our lives. You know, I want to just go back to the hotel and play it all day. I'm like, let's, uh, let's switch something up here. Yeah. Um, so one final question uh, we have for you. Uh, what's one thing you want Red Sox Nation to know about you? Uh, I would say the, the kind of the biggest thing 
is that I know that there's not a lot of information out on me from uh, college, but uh, I'm going to give them the best, my best shot. I'm going to give them everything I got. And hopefully I'll be a pleasant surprise to the organization once I'm healthy. And hopefully I'll be seeing a lot of the Boston fans here pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're excited to watch you pitch in the minors. Hopefully sometime soon, see up in Boston. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll come see you start the game and then CT can come in right after in relief. And, you know, Red, so you guys can, can shut out the Yankees or something like that. Oh, that'd be perfect. He's, yeah, was a, I mean, CT was up to 100 the other day. And so it's, that, that's not a bad guy to have uh, coming in behind you. That's for sure. Straight not, gas. Not bad at oh, all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I mean, this is why this is why we're, we're doing these things, because because we really want to you know showcase you guys to Red Sox fans and kind of be like, hey, these are the guys we want to follow coming up. These are the guys to look forward to because you guys are the future of uh, of the organization. That's, uh, you know, it's one of those that we're down here. We're working hard. We're doing our best to work our way up quick. Uh, we trust the organization to move us up when they think we're ready. And it's one of those that uh, I think there's definitely going to be a few guys from down here that the Red Sox fans are going to really be surprised with and really fall in love with. And it's, it's going to be exciting. Definitely. Definitely an exciting time to be Red Sox fans. Well, anyways, Hunter, thanks so much for coming on. Um, you know, we'll be, we'll be following your career. I would love to have you come on again. Um, and yeah, go Sox. Absolutely. Go Sox. Thank you, Hunter Dobbins, for coming on the show. Another great appearance from a draft pick on Gone Bridge. Uh, and, yeah, it was a great interview. And if the sound sounds a little weird right now, might be because we're in person right now. Yeah. What? <laughs> Uh, so this is this is weird for all of us. I mean, at least for me, I'm used to sitting in front of my screen and looking at you guys through the computer, but I can look to my left and right now. It's like, <laughs> it's weird. This like is, I, can, I can reach out and touch one of you guys. You touching know? me. Touching me, touching you. All that jazz. All that, all jazz. that jazz. All that jazz. We're living the dream. So, uh, you know, hopefully, at least until we go home for winter break, this will be uh, a new normal. This will be the new normal. So a new era for Gone Bridge. Only took us 49 episodes. And uh, yeah, so that's that's big. And obviously, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. But Red Sox have been hot. They've been pretty hot. Been pretty hot. They've been pretty hot. Pretty good. What are we? Uh, four and two in our last six. Four and two in the last six. Six and four in the last ten. That's two, a, that's two game win streak. Two winning records. Those are winning records. Those are winning records. And to split the series against the Rays is pretty huge, <laughs> considering the fact that. I didn't think that was going to happen. I personally, after we lost the first two games and Xander got pulled, fully expecting a raise sweep, not going to lie about it. I knew Sale was going to come out and perform in game three. But, I mean, it's the raise. The Red Sox have been struggling since the beginning of August. But, I I mean, they pulled pulled the two games out of their ass. I really got to give them credit. Well, I think – I guess we can get into it later when we're talking about the uh, outscore impact player of the week. But a lot of guys have been stepping up recently. I mean, ever since we got Kyle Schwarber, he's just been unreal. Yeah, so is Jack Lopez, I mean. <laughs> yeah. 
But he plays second base. I don't know. The amount of unknown guys who are on the roster right now makes me makes me unhappy. That's one of those guys, like, you figure when the roster gets depleted, you start to call up those guys that you start to hear about in AAA, like Worcester and everything like that. Yeah. Jack Lopez, I had... I hadn't even heard. Like, if somebody came up to me and said, is Jack Lopez... Is somebody named Jack Lopez... Somewhere in the seven levels of the Red Sox organization, <laughs> I would say absolutely not. Like maybe the Dominican League. Jack Lopez sounds like when you create an MLB the show or MLB the show road to the show player, and it like says like the generic nickname when you start. Like Jack Lopez, that's the name. That's the name of the guy. This I looked it up. I mean, he had like what a, a five something OPS in AAA. So they're really they're really digging right now. I mean, but who else we got? I mean, not really. Like. I'm looking at him right now. 215 at bats. He's small as hell. He's 5'10, 160 pounds. It's like two inches taller than I am. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, four homers, 40 RBIs, 11 stolen bases, 275 average. Actually, he's not having as bad. 745 OPS in Worcester. What was I looking at then? Mid 700 is not terrible, but I mean, triple A. Just never heard of this guy. Yeah, no, I know. I honestly, I said this to Clawson the other day. I was like, we need Zuway Lindback. I think you said that to me. Uh, did I say that to you? Definitely not. No, yeah. I remember. Yeah, but we definitely, um, I miss Tsunami. That guy was awesome. I love whenever he would play a position, but he, like, he hasn't played in a while. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, spicing it up. Didn't he pitch at some point? He did. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Well, he might have. Pulecki, Pulecki pitched. pitched and he Two caught. Him, yes. Oh, yeah. That, that game was, man. and that was, I think that was the Kyle Hart game where Kyle Hart was just like pitching underhand to the race. Just making a mockery of the Red Sox. You hated to see. But, like, the guys we called up, I mean, we signed Brad Peacock, and, like, two days later, he's starting, which is wild. He wasn't great. John Schreiber, Steven Gonzalez. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Gun. I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) Stevie G. Stevie G. Good old Stevie G. Yeah. He pitched for the Twins a little bit three years ago. Uh, sounds like he's just a great guy for Portland. Yeah, but I mean, there's just a lot of random. I mean, the Red Sox organization is huge. Baseball just has oh, like, so huge. many people involved in making the Red Sox organization like a, a thing. So you got a Jack Lopez in there. You got Stevie G. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, Stevie G, Jack Lopez taking down the Rays. Uh, I feel really all over the place, just like in general, with this recording, like the Red Sox, obviously who got COVID. We had Salamora, Xander, Kike, Kike, Arroyo. Where was a close contact? I don't know if he ever got I think he tested positive too. Yeah. Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes, yes. Uh, I don't know. Probably a couple more people. I just can't think of who sure. they are. I can say, though, that the Yankees, remember when the Yankees got nailed with COVID? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what happened when they all came back? Did they get hot? They got very hot. They got really hot. So if you look at it, we still have the marker. Oh, we got yeah. the marker. It's also, Perez is the other guy. It's going to have to be a clip, folks. Professor Alex in the building. Oh, what is going on? So we're looking at this in terms of the hotness scale. Yeah. So let's see Alex Clausen hotness scale. Yeah, to speak up, you get further away. So when we're the Yankees, if you're starting, I mean, they weren't very hot to start. So you got to like, this is a chart. You got to start them like maybe like here. Really not that hot, folks. Oh, the mic's in the way. You also got <laughs> to describe the picture. All right. So 
So yeah, this I, is a yeah, podcast. Yeah, for those that are listening at home, I just drew a nice little graph. And you can say about like two inches from the bottom, I put the Yankees just because they weren't very hot. And then we get COVID and the Yankees like shoot down to the other end and they get hot. You know, they start, for those watching at home. A lot like of access going on on the- From here to here. I mean, that's a that's a pretty solid jump. That's about an eight inch jump for those listening yeah. at home. We might that's, have, that's pretty hot. There's a lot of action going on in the x-axis. There is. There is. We so, might have to make a YouTube channel. <laughs> so when you look at Boston, another, for those listening at home, another graph <laughs> with the words BOS right underneath and about probably four inches up, right about halfway through. The Red Sox were pretty hot for those, for those watching at home. We're right about here. So would you say that like the left is the start of the season? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is like pre-COVID. So the so, Sox so get COVID. To describe the, the point of the first uh, marker, it's pretty left to signify the beginning of the season, and it's like halfway up the graph. Shameless plug. Follow us on Instagram if you want to see this. At Gombridge Podcast. Continuing on. Post-COVID, I mean, the Sox really can only – getting that much hotter like we're kind of breaking the scale i mean for those listening at home you got to understand the scale only goes so far you're really pushing the boundaries of how hot this team can get once you get COVID in your body you're indestructible would you can you put another marker for in between those two Mm. okay that is just simply untrue (laughs) (laughs) you put them in you said in between no i meant like date wise oh all right so we'll call this what like when did the socks stop getting hot? Like late July, early right first. after the All Star break. Yeah. We'll call this like July twenty fourth. Okay, just for kicks and gigs. Oh, a lot of gigs going on. And then now. we'll call it about September 9th. give or take. September tenth, when they all come back. Okay, September tenth. I mean. Once you hit September 10th, folks, in a week, this team is just going to be astronomically hot. Okay, so. You heard it here first. Not the best segment for a podcast, considering how visual that was. And God only knows how the audio just suffered. So. We'll see. That might just be a visual only. Maybe we'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll see. I think. Yeah, uh, you know, it's all. It's part of the show. I'll talk to you in post. <laughs> all right. But what was the last game that we talked about before the last game this recording was during last so game. when we were recording uh last time it was right before that game against the guardians the first game that we won so we haven't talked about the guardian series at all didn't talk about the race series at all uh so the red sox on the seven game road trip go four and three which again with all this covid stuff going on which has been killing the team is wildly Impressive, honestly, especially because four of those were against the Rays. Clawson, oh, what's going on? Just tried to look up Garrett Richards on MLB stats, and it gave me a, an error page. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett Richards has been really good at a bullpen. We are sorry, yeah, but very a recent good. error in this page. Apparently, MLB stats does not like Garrett Richards. Oh. Yeah, so first game against the Indians, the Guardians, whatever. Steve, come on. You got 4-3 Boston, Eddie Aces. With uh, you know, Eddie's been looking solid outing. A lot better, I will say. It's a solid outing. Let's see exactly what his stat line was. Just kidding. Eddie, Not find it. Eddie went seven innings, gave up three runs, only two strikeouts. Uh, but 
Is that a quality start? That's a quality start, Steve. That's a quality, that's a quality start. start. That's all you. That, that's all you need. Uh, for a guy to go seven innings, I mean, it's pretty rare at this point. Eddie Eddie was dealing, and then Richards came in for the hold, two strikeouts, and then Ottavino came in for this for the save. He's got nine saves this year, actually, maybe even more now, uh, which seems like a lot. And then uh, Saturday against the uh, Indians, five three win in extras. Another good one. Who started that one? Evaldi started that one. Five and a third, six hits, two runs, seven strikeouts, and then uh, an absolute just what we have seven guys coming out of the bullpen after that. Whitlock got the win. Uh, and then the last game against Cleveland, that one should have won that one. That was, that was a mess. You were just talking for so long. I'm sorry. You lost me. <laughs> Go Sox. So, all right. Game one, obviously, 4-3. Then game two against the Guardians, excuse me. Excuse you, Clawson. I was looking at fantasy. And then you got Boston, 5-3. That's a Garrett Whitlock win. Another save for Ottavino. What are you talking about? Fantasy update. We're no longer in first place. <laughs> no, our, I, our team mimics the Red Sox in real life. Um, I was also going to go pick up Garrett Richards. Because I haven't looked at the fantasy lineup in like a month. And yeah. We are no longer, we're in third place. Yeah. We're in fourth place. Sorry. Ronald Acuna going down really hurt us. That hurt us. Pitching staff, having Michael Pananda as your ace, wouldn't recommend it, honestly. Yeah. Actually, no, Flaherty's back, but he had, he's been okay this year. Yeah. Then game three, Cleveland beat a 7 5. Blew it. We were up yeah. what, 5 nothing. Yeah, that was a tough. That was a tough bid, but we probably shouldn't have won one of those games when fucking, fucking who was it that hit that home run? I'm trying to think. A random guy. Oh, Rose. Yeah, Rose. How about Jesus Christ? Great. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you a more unexpected home run in recent memory. Like that's that's a guy that comes up to the plate and you're like, all right, this guy's gonna hit a dribbler to second yeah. base. You just know it's automatic hard. out. Yeah. And I still another guy who I always feel like that when he comes up is Vasquez. I don't know why, but he steps up he to was, he, I was thinking about that a couple of days ago. He was so he was one of the best catchers in the league when the season started. He's and now it's just here. No, over the past three years, Christian Vasquez has been one of the best like two-way catchers in the league. Well, yeah, it's but been like, top three. He was so good when the season started. And now he's like just level off. Yeah, his hitting. I mean, he had a three hit game against the Rays. Yeah, he did have a really good game there. Um, I mean, after that 2019 season, what did he hit? Like 20 home runs. I yeah. feel like that's what the expectation was coming into the season. But that was like juice ball. That was. Yeah, so. I've heard a couple ideas of letting him go after this season. Uh, What's his contract be, looking like? So he has an eight million dollar club option, I believe, and some people. Some people are saying just roll with Ploiecki and then have Wong as your backup because Ploiecki's been, you know, really good offensively. And then Wong, you know, is one of the better catching prospects in baseball. And then you save like $6 million, which for Hein Bloom, that's like a lot of money. That's, I mean, I, mean, I don't hate it, but I feel like you're splitting a lot of hairs. Yeah. Vasquez is going to be relatively cheap, I think, for how good he can be. Right. I also, moving someone from the backup to the starter role is also a mental thing too. 
Like Ploiecki, I feel like as the backup, he can be more relaxed. He's like, all right, I'm not the one who, what? It works. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Ploiecki. These are the things you don't get in person. No. Clausen just found a charger in the garbage can. No, you don't get not in person. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, all of the stuff that I'm doing behind the scenes here, you know, these, these kids don't get when they're sitting with me. Absolutely not. No menace. Yeah, so <laughs> you move Ploiecki to the starter spot. Then, you know, maybe he doesn't hit as well because he's like, all right, I got it. Like, I got to hit well. You know, no, yeah, you're totally right because baseball is one of those things where your mental state is totally one of the most defining factors of your performance. Mm-hmm. So if all of a sudden Ploiecki's plate appearances skyrocket to starter level, you don't know if you're going to get the same production out of him that you would be right now so like i was saying vasquez is having not a great year this year and if his contract is up after this season then i don't know how much he's going to be able to demand on like the free agent market so that being said probably can get him for relatively cheap like i said depending on i guess who his agent is yeah, I mean, the thing with catchers, though, is that they're always going to find us. A, a good catcher is always going to find a spot like there's only so few ever like there's only a there's only ever a handful, like maybe five catchers. That you can make the case and say, OK, they're a like above average product in the lineup. Like there, a lot of catchers in the league are defensive based. Yeah, so no, like, I, would say, I would say that. I mean, well, that's how Vasquez came into the league. Right. But then yeah. there's always guys like Sandy Leone. Guys like Sandy Leon hang around for so long because they're so good behind the plate. Where Christian Vasquez can hit way better than Sandy Leon could. So he's not going to have a hard time finding a job. Yeah. Well, look at a guy like Yadier Molina. I mean, right. obviously he's he's a he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a good offensive, he's a great offensive catcher, but he's a good offensive player. But he's probably a top three defensive catcher of all time. I mean. I saw a stat somewhere on Twitter a couple weeks ago where uh, in the last like 15 years since he's been on the team that the Cardinals have had like by far the fewest stolen base uh, stolen bases attempted against them just because of that, like just that. So um, I don't know. I, I could take it or leave it, honestly. Uh, you can make the case either way. Yeah. Vasquez is an important part, but at the same time, if you can save a little money and the difference between a platoon of – Ploiecki and Long versus Vasquez starting 75% of the games mm-hmm. uh, probably isn't big enough to actually make that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. I got, I got something. You're not paying him that much, though. See? You re-signed Vasquez as a full-time second baseman. Why would you do that? Hold on. Because he can play second. I don't hate – actually, I do kind of hate that. That's... No. Second, <laughs> we second also have this guy, Jeter Downs, coming up. Second yeah, base Jeter a... Downs' stock is – gone no pun intended way down <laughs> yeah works stock has gone away he's also like 19 yeah. years old so he's not coming up to the majors jeter next year jeter downs is no longer in the top 100 prospects you think he'd be playing better no. if they were still in Pawtucket? uh probably not that's why i think i said it during uh the trade deadline episode where we probably should have just dumped downs on somebody while he still had like a higher value than he because mm. I, I i said it his value is probably peaked. I would agree. At the beginning I, of the agree. I mean, he's never had much like power behind his swing. It's always been more like a contact, like get on on base type of guy. But 
I still think that he could be the second baseman of the future. Yeah, I mean, if we call him up in a year or two and he hits 300 with like 30 home runs, then yeah, you can, you dang, can, dude, that would suck. You can be so wrong. You could old takes expose me. <laughs> I won't care. Um, but Bob's been hot. Well, yeah, let's keep talking about the race series because Big Bob has my heart throbbing, that's for sure. Throbby D. Something else is throbbing. (laughs) Dude, he could literally not be hotter. He's hitting, I think, 300 over the past 30-plus games. He has – he won Ale Rookie of the Month, and he basically single-handedly won us the game yesterday. Can I tell you guys something? What? Since the July 30th trade deadline. Jesus Christ. It's a long time ago. Oh, keep going. You good? Yeah. All right. Uh, I was looking at his last seven game numbers. This comes from someone on Twitter, Jared underscore Carabas. Since the July 30th trade deadline, Kyle Schwarber, 339 with a 132 OPS. Bobby Dahlbeck, 338 with an OPS of 1.16. Joey Gallo hitting 139. With a 634 OPS and Anthony Rizzo hitting 250, a 784 OPS. That good? That those two, those last two, those numbers, last two were not good. Not good, especially Mr. Gallo. Yeah, not not good. A lot of people got have been getting on Bob this season about how good he's been playing. You know, there was a lot of expectations mm-hmm. about him being the rookie of the year and all this other BS. And we never really got that down on Bob at any point. There was no, certain, there were certain, there were certain points where, you know, you call it like you see it. Bob, Bob was started out slow, but he's like a train that gradually was picking up speed, just chugging along, and now he is flying down the tracks. Well, I mean, there's a lot of expectation for Dalbeck because they have Tristan Casas, who's supposed to come up and be a great player. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of showtime for Dalbeck. Like he either performs or he doesn't. Right. Well, and that's not that's not us like shitting on him. That's just the reality of the situation. That's if, how if he wants at bats in two years, then he has to perform for those two years up until then. Well, that's what I've made an argument so many times this year that I love the healthy competition on this team. And when Bob was struggling, uh, well, I guess he wasn't struggling as much at the time when they bought, brought Travis Shaw in. But um yeah, you need to perform to, to stay on the team. As stupid as that sounds, uh, that's what's going to keep you on the team. And, and you look at a guy like Chavis, who also, he had opportunities, you know, most of 2019 he was up. 2020, he was on the team. 2021 starts here in the minors. Can't really do anything for the Red Sox. And he gets shipped off to Pittsburgh. Uh, and, like, the first time we had Travis Shaw, I said that too, where it's like some of these guys are just going to get pushed out. And – I, I predicted that with Chavis, and, and then for a while there, I was like, you know, I don't know if Dahlbeck can can hang, especially with Costas coming up, but, you know, he's proven that. He can he can hit lefties and righties, so, um, I mean. Well, you guys are talking about Costas, and that's competition that, you know, is a little bit on the horizon, but it's, it's the, once wow. the trade deadline hit, we brought Kyle Schwerber in to potentially be our everyday first baseman, and to almost just push Bob out. And he noticed, or well, he, he knew that it was either turn on the gas or get out, yeah. essentially. And Kyle Schwarber and, and Big Bob are now both raking. So you got you, you to gotta find room in the lineup for both of them. And that means that you either have JD 
or Schwarber in left field, which neither of them are great options, but you have to say that JD is a little bit better with the club out there than Schwarber is, but that kind of puts you in a predicament with, I guess, Kike has to go back to second Yeah, when everybody's healthy. Like Kike's got to go back to second. Mm. I love him in center, but I, I, I mean, you can't put like Verdugo in second. No, I, but I would rather have. Should I draw it up on the board for the people again? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying in the mic. <laughs> I mean, right now you can't move Dominic out of first. He's gonna stay there. And then I would rather have Arroyo at second. Well, like look okay, at it this way: if everybody's healthy, I want Christian Arroyo at second base. Who you take out a lot? Dahlbeck, Schwarber, JD. Or Verdugo. Well, you have a DH. Yeah, but you can If you have... I mean, so... so uh, no, but here's what the lineup looks like. There's 10 guys. Well, here, mean, here, the, lineup, the lineup can shift based on matchups. That's the thing. I know. I'm talking about gonna, every day. You're not going to... Your wild card lineup. Your wild card yeah, lineup. Yeah, sitting out on that. I think you have to put... So, Vasquez behind the plate. Mm-hmm. I think you have to put Schwarber at first. Mm-hmm. No. I would... Re- no. What do you mean, no? All right, not only... Do you remember what Kyle Schwarber did in the playoffs in 2016? I'm not saying I'm leaving him out of the lineup, but you. All right, so Bob, Bob is at first base. No, he <laughs> says you're running wrong. What do you mean, no? Where are you putting Bob? On the bench. What? No, no absolutely no. not. So you have. Christian Arroyo goes to the bench. Yeah, without 100% Christian Arroyo. Without question. He is easily the most clutch player in this, on this team. I'm not saying you can't pinch hit him. Over Kyle South Schwarber? Bench. I mean, Kyle Schwarber. So Kyle Schwarber plays first base. No, no. So no, you go no. Schwarber at first, Arroyo at second, the left side of the infield. Jesus Christ, you're walking in the dugout, and he's not <laughs> starting over either of those two. And then you have to have Kike in center, Verdugo in right, and then what about Renfro? Renfro in right, Verdugo in left, and then JDS to DA. So Schwarber is not on. Oh wait, Schwarber's Schwarber. at first. <laughs> Who's on first? Yeah. What's on second? Okay. Hear me out. This is more of a look ahead to next year. Would you rather have re-sign Kyle Schwarber or if JD opts out? Would you rather have Schwarber over JD? I look. First, before I get into this, here's what, well, also, here's what the lineup is. I will preface this by also saying that if JD is gone, you could probably call all of Casas too. No. So, hold on. We're not there yet. We're not there yet in this conversation. Move. Jesus I Christ. Will say, I will say that. Here's, to, here's the line for the wild to card. Of, to get rid of the big slugger with the big money in JD and sign Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber is going to garner some good money. This yeah, offseason. he definitely is. After this season. Also, I will say really quick, Steve, before though. you go, on Fangraphs projected for next year, Kyle Schwarber, or Jeez, who? Who's on first? Uh, <laughs> next year, Tristan Costas is projected on Fangraphs to play more games than JD Martinez and hit the same amount of home runs. So, again, that's a projection, but I'm just putting. Wouldn't that make JD better? <laughs> Good one, Clausen. Okay, oh, for the Boston Red Sox. So here would be the lineup. All right. Realistically, if we were going to play the wild card game when everybody's healthy, All right. let's hear it, Manager Steve Brady. So you obviously start Vasquez. Okay. Then you have Bob at first, Kike at second, Xander at short, obviously Devers at third. Then in left, you have to have JD up in left, Schwarber DHs, Dougie in center, and Hunter, Hunter Renfro in right. That's exactly how I would put it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put JD in the outfield. 
You'd rather Schwarber in the outfield? He is a liability. Oh my god, I mean, Schwarber's Kyle, so bad defensively. Do you, do you remember Gardner? Remember that game we went to a couple yes. days ago? There was a there was a line drive hit maybe like 10 feet to the left of JD Martinez, and he ran in on it and almost missed it. He did. But <laughs> listen, I, I'm not saying either of them are good in left field. Do you, do you remember what happened when they put JD in right field during the 2018 World Series? Do you, do you remember how many balls went over his head because he washed them in the lights? Do I care, though, because the Red Sox won the World Series? No, I, mean, it doesn't I really matter, don't. I really like, don't. I really it's, don't. It's, you don't have a good option either way, but J.D. Martinez is such a blatant liability in the field. Oh, my God. Okay. Do you know who you're comparing him to? I realize that I'm comparing, is, like – Okay. I learned about this in class. Opportunity cost. The opportunity cost of having J.D. out in the field does not – or let me say this, the opportunity cost of having a better left fielder and having Christian Arroyo in the lineup over, say, Kyle Schwarber, in my opinion, does not well, outweigh. Kyle Schwarber doesn't come out of the lineup in mine. Well, then, I, <laughs> well, then instead of Bobby Dahlbeck, does not outweigh putting J.D. in that. So wait, hold on, wait, here's the other thing. Who? All right, so Garrett Cole would have to pitch in a wild card if they're playing. Well, the here's the thing. I will say this about the Bobby's wild card. A, Bobby's a right. It's not always the eights because you got to get there eights. first. You got to get there first. Like the Red Sox. You know, you can't like. What if Cole pitches the last game for the Yankees? He's gonna to have him? to start. You can't I, if you're Aaron Boone and you get to the end of the season and you're so inept to put Garrett Cole to start a regular season game when you're already the lead wild card. I mean, obviously, if you're gonna start Garrett Cole with like three games left, knowing that he that you have a wild card game to go play, you're a fucking idiot. Okay, but I'm saying if like say for the Red Sox, if we're going into the last game of the season tied with the A's. You got to throw Chris Hill, right? But yes. then that makes it, yeah, because yeah, you got to get there first. So I'm just saying, like, you got to play out the season first. Like, well, yeah, obviously, we'll see what happens. But oh, that was a lot. That was just got me hot. Got me hot. Woo! Uh, so Tristan Koss is starting first baseman next year. That's what I'm hearing. Our starting DH. But or going back to your question, I don't even remember what my question was, to be honest. Kyle Schwarber was brought oh, right. into Boston. I think to take over for JD after JD is done. I don't know if that's going to be immediately. Like it's going to have to be short term because you have so many power guys coming up in the. Well, a guy like Blaze Jordan is going to be up here until twenty twenty four. Well, no, but like, yeah, you have a you have a gap of three years to fill. Yeah, Schwarber is going to bridge the gap. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Consider it short term. Is he going to bridge the gap? Uh, He could. (laughs) (laughs) He could. I. I mean, I love Schwarber. He's far exceeded my expectations. And my kind of, like, thoughts on him, not like, uh, I guess, like, not like stereotypical thoughts, but was, you kind of look at him and you're like, oh, this is probably a guy who strikes out a lot, like, doesn't get on base a lot, you know. It's, but that's been the opposite. Right. And he's done that for parts of his career. Like, when he came up with the Cubs, that's what he's done. But he's totally evolved as a player where – he can get on base consistently. Like when Klaus and I went to the game, he went one for one with four walks, and he was just he like just gets on base. That's he's why you got, need him in an all. He's got that's no, why you need him in a yeah. Game. He's got such yeah. an elite feel for the strike zone, like phenomenal. I was also looking at something the other day on Fangraphs. What was it? Uh, it was like Schwarber is in like thirty more. At, if he has thirty more at bats, he will probably pass Bob. With the amount of walks that he's had this season, and Bob oh. will have had like 300 more at bats. And this guy is just a walking machine. Yeah. So, like I said, I want Schwarber back. I love JD. 
And I hope JD is around for another year or two, probably. But when the time comes where JD's no longer producing at the level that you need him to produce, Kyle Schwarber is the guy that I want to succeed him. Absolutely. Yeah, there's going to be some interesting decisions this offseason. I mean, between that, you know, JD, I've also heard rumors of him opting out and then the Red Sox are signing him to like a three or four year deal. Yeah. So I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that either. I, I wouldn't either. You just have to, I would front load that contract for sure. Oh, yeah. You have to. Um, So, yeah, we got any other stuff? I mean, another great performance by Eddie last night. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Tonight, we got the Guardians again. Guardians are hot. Guardians are hot. Tanner Houck versus. We're hot. No, that's tomorrow. Uh, Baldy tonight, Houck tomorrow, Pavetta on Sunday. It's a nice look. Let's win some games. I love it. Got some questions. Do we? Do we? We do. All right. Where do you think they're from? Matt? (laughs) You better believe they are. Oh. Are they all from Matt? (laughs) Um, Yes, they are. Uh, First question from Matt. What's the sweetest jersey slash hat slash whatever variety of memorabilia you own? Um, like memorabilia or like clothing? Uh, what is this? I guess memorabilia or, or clothing. Hat um, jersey. It's really open-ended. I guess my favorite clothing is I have a 2018 World Series hat. Mm. That's cool. And then I would probably say... I have a good amount of sports memorabilia. I have a signed uh, Dion Branch picture. I have a signed Gronk jersey and ball. And I have a signed Xander bat. So that is sweet. They're all pretty near and dear to my heart. I also have a Louis Tiant bobblehead, but it's not signed by him. It's just like, kind of cool. That's sweet. That is pretty cool. Um, for me, I would probably, for like clothing, I have a 2018 Chris Sale, like Washington Nationals All Star Game jersey. Uh, I really like that. I also have a Mookie Betts jersey that was signed by Darwin's and Hernandez. <laughs> so random. You really just brought the brought the value of that jersey down so hard. Well, I mean, no, it's still cool. Like I walk around with it on, and people think Mookie Betts signed it. I'm like, no, it's just Darwin's and Hernandez. Like he signed it for me, and then some security guard got on him. He's like, you can't sign stuff for people. So he's the only one. I was the only one to get a signature, so that was cool. And then favorite like memorabilia. Other than that, uh, Dustin Pedroia signed my program one time at the game. Dude, I thought I saw Dustin Pedroia one time on campus. Yeah, I remember <laughs> him texting us about that. Yeah. Uh, I also have a softball market sign ball, so I'd probably say those. Um, I don't have much for either. I would say my – I really – oh, my favorite piece of sports, like, quote, like my favorite jersey that I have ever owned – I bought a Cleveland Browns Johnny Manziel jersey when he got drafted. No. I still have it. It, oh. it is a solid, like, four sizes too small for me. <laughs> um, but that thing is so sick. And then my favorite piece of memorabilia has to be I have a bat signed by Jim Rice. Wow. That is cool. Jim Rice is cool. Uh, and the next question, what's the worst experience you've had with a teacher? <laughs> Uh, I, <laughs> I have a pretty positive experiences yeah. with all my teachers we're because all really, I'm a good student. Yeah, we're all just 
college like uh like sometimes my professors are really boring like I took an intro like history class freshman year and my professor just would come in with like a fat packet and just read notes at us while like his TA hit the PowerPoint button oh so that was like an hour and 20 minutes of my life like twice a week that I'll never get back but like hey I know about like the new deal now so that's oh, yeah that's cool <laughs> trickle down economics <laughs> yeah that. nothing better than that oh uh, yeah Can you draw it up on the whiteboard steve trickle down economics yeah it's like i can describe is it. that true reagan oh right you should no. you, should, you, you just, just said i don't know you just, how do you not i know? said i know about it oh, I don't, I i'm not like an expert at reaganomics not a, not a history major bud red Sox major in red Sox. but it's Sox. like you know you feed up top the rich people circulate the money and then it trickles down and gets to all the poor people. Pretty sure that didn't work. Steve, that worked excellently, didn't it? No. no it's rich a, people love to give their money. But... No, it's not yeah. the giving it away. It's them stimulating it's the economy. Circling down costs. It's, it's, it's called circulating money. Yeah. But, hey. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have any like bad experiences. With I teachers. forgot what we were talking about. Yeah, I just... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I really don't have anything for this. My accounting professor right now is a real whack job. I'll put it that way. I hope he listens to this. He knows what he is. He's <laughs> a good guy. There's a, like a good, uh, there's a good true graphic. Trusif Matt is available. To... Yeah, give him a call. Right, let's see. Oh, is he, is he in high school? Maybe he's in school. Is he in high school? Oh, wait. Is he picking up? I have no idea. That would be a wild start to our first in-person. That would be wild. Clausen, uh, where can I get groceries if I don't want to walk and get them? <laughs> <laughs> you can take the bus. There's a bus that you can Yeah, there is, but I don't want to take it. I like how Gardner has, like, slowly given up on the segues. Now he's just like, Clausen, ad read. Crush. <laughs> That's not picking up. Read it now. Read it <laughs> the hell is this new instagram update the most obnoxious dms for when you send a video message to somebody instacart is an online grocery <laughs> delivery app wait 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 whoa 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 what whoa what i first of all where did you even get this from? Get, I, I simply asked you a question. You can pull out a whole Google document. Instacart allows you to handpick a variety of fresh foods and products. Forget Google that ingredient that you need to make your famous dish while watching the Sox game. Or you're like Andrew Gardner and haven't picked up on what Instacart is for the last 20 episodes. Order it through Instacart. With delivery straight to your door in as fast as an hour. Shop multiple stores. See details in your area. They will help you save money. And every item is hand-selected at the store to fit even the most specific needs. They always handle with care to make sure everything gets to you in one piece. And if you still haven't yet, people, time is running out. Spark your summer celebration with free delivery on your first $35 order via Instacart. Delivery subject to availability. Terms apply. And use the link in our show notes for the offer to help support your boys at Gone Bridge. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. Woo! Summer truly is running out. So This is the last weekend of this deal. So use it. We're going to update the ad read. We're going to have to update the ad read. No free ads. Spark your fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on with something else. Um, yeah. So. Go. Got any notes, Clausen? Yeah. Um, 
our boy, shout out Jack Kelly, bought a t-shirt from us and he ordered comfort colors and he didn't mm. get comfort colors. Yes, he told me about that too. Oh, he did? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Messed up. <laughs> cruel, cruel world out here. Yeah. Not that we're responsible for that. I have not checked our t-shirts in a while, actually. I think we, we need a new t-shirt. Yeah, we've sold one in the past, like... Well, because we've only sent out <laughs> in a month and a half. We need more t-shirts. We need more month. shirts. We need more shirts. We need to stim- we need to stimulate the economy to <laughs> trickle down economics. Um yeah, you got anything else for us? Uh, buy a shirt. Oh, wait. Yes, you do have something for us. So since our last episode, Mr. Kanye West finally dropped his album Donda. You know and what that means. If you listened about three episodes ago, Alex Clawson. When we were talking about animal noises. He said, when Kanye releases Donda, I will make a dolphin noise. So, it's the moment everybody's been waiting for. Nobody wants to hear this. I, I, do. I certainly want to hear it. I want to hear it. I gave it to you guys before the recording. Well, I should have saved it. I should have saved it. I don't I'm really back know up. what a... Get nice and close. I don't right. really know what a dolphin sounds oh, like. You know. Yes. The 10-hour video of what doesn't sound like. That's not it. That's an ad. No, no forget. Gomber's podcast is presented by Terry's Fireworks. Terry's Fireworks. Don't blow off your fingers. Back it up, Terry. Turn that off. Dude, you just, really want to hear me? Just make the make noise. noise get it over. Over. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That was good enough for me. Uh, All right. Kanye. Great album. Not worth the uh not worth it though. I thought it was good. Off the grid. Great song. Yes. Don't forget so. Um <laughs> anyways, Alex Cora, impact player of the week. What do we got? You know, it sounds like we're ripping off section 10 when we say no free ads. That's not true. That's not true at all. But how can we rip something off that we started? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't think people are saying that. Has anybody ever said that to me? No, I'm just setting the record straight. (laughs) I feel like we've mentioned that before. No free ads came out of one of these brands. I actually can't remember who it was. I think it was. It it was you. Definitely you. But uh, anyway, A C I P O T W. Hell yeah. I got, for the first time ever, in a positive fashion at least. Garrett Richards. Fuck yeah. Garrett Richards in a time of uncertainty and a time of drastic need of bullpen help. In a time when it seems like everybody that you could trust leaves you out to dry. There's one man that has been consistently good. That's Garrett Richards because he has brought the good stuff out of the pen every single time he has come out of it this season. He has pitched to the tune of a 0.69, I think it was picked, 0.69. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Out of the pen. And that, my friends, is the good stuff. So you know what I'm going to give him? So you know what I'm going to give him? You're not going to give him a score, are you? I'm going to give my guy, Garrett Richards. A point six nine. <laughs> ah, I thought you were just going to give him good stuff. No. My Alex Cora Impact Player of the Week does not go 
to somebody on the active roster. In fact, it doesn't even go to a human. In fact, it doesn't even go to something that you can see. It's got to go to COVID-19. COVID-19, you get a negative infinity on the Alex Corey Impact Player of the Week scale. Wow. Get out of here. Get out of here with that. Yeah, come on. Awesome. Um, I wasn't going to pick Bobby Dahlbeck because that seemed too obvious, but then nobody picked up Bobby Dahlbeck. So I feel like I have to pick Bobby Dahlbeck. As you scroll through a completely other player's page. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I just going to look up? Uh, I don't know. Is Bobby Dahlbeck good? <laughs> what sport does Bobby Dahlbeck play? <laughs> Google searching right now. Am I? Every time before we start recording, Boston Google's who are the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> This is just pulls up the oh, roster. He's like, I can't remember any of these guys. <laughs> what did we say for Eduardo Rodriguez on strikeouts? Oh, what was that line? He's definitely over. 175. No, let me pull it up. It was uh maybe 183, I think. No way. I feel like it was less obscure than that. All right, let's see. It was 175.5. All right, so he's at 156 right now. Oh, he's gonna hit that. So how many starts he have left? Probably Three? No, more than that. Five? Five or six? How many games? Not six. 30. You've got 30 26 games. games. So five stars. Yeah. He can get, I mean, that's only what, four strikeouts a game? Yeah. He's 100%. Be. He's going to be. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I'm going to give Bobby Dahlbeck my Alex Court Impact player. <laughs> and I'll, you know what? What am I going to give him? Give him a big number for Big Bob. Yeah. Big Celtics Bob. just acquired uh, someone. Herring Gomez? Yeah. Yeah. Do we look like a Celtics podcast? No, we trade Carson Edwards, though, and Chris Dunn. Bring back Purdue Carson Edwards. I'm going to give him a point. 7-2. Why? Why not? Hell yeah. Love that mindset. Anyways, do we have anything that we saw this week that we thought was fun in the game? Maybe uh, like a make baseball fun again segment? <laughs> Man. Uh, NL West races. Oh, that's, that's, heat, that's good baseball. Trying to find something. Here. Oh, yeah. That is great baseball right now. Oh, It's I, too bad we can't watch it, Rob Manfred. Yeah, we can. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> MLB TV. It's MLB TV is also free for the rest of the year for college students. Oh, really? Yes. What? <laughs> yeah. Hold up. Even though I already paid, you know what else is free? Money. No free ads. But <laughs> there's this website that has all the sports in the world on MLB it. MLB TV now free, free for college students. You're kidding me? Yeah. It's a free website. It sounds illegal, Steve. It, what? Could be. I don't know, I can say no free ads. What's but it about? It rhymes with meme yeast. You can figure it out. I can't even figure it out. I know what it is. It's a good website. Reddit? No. <laughs> Reddit streams got shut down. <laughs> um, no free ads. No free ads. No free ads. I have nothing for this segment. Yeah, I don't really have much. Nick Castellanos. Oh, gotcha. Uh, Nick Cassianos getting his back checked by Mike Schilt was pretty funny after he uncorked another ball. And then <laughs> Schilt was like, let me let me see the bat. And he was like, here you go. You're going to find nothing. The other manager yeah. requested. Yeah. yeah. Mike Schilt. 
You signing up? Yeah. Trying nice. to think what password that's fitting. What are you signing up for? Anthony Rizzo sucks. 24. What are you signing up for? MLB TV. Ah. Should we close out the ninth? Yeah. Closing out the ninth. I'm trying to think. I got two things. Show me my password. I don't know. Don't, don't, don't talk about it right now. <laughs> Stanton sucks balls. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Closing out the ninth, obviously another great interview with the draft pick. Hunter Dobbins was awesome. Hoping to see him in the Ooh. big sometime soon. <laughs> uh, what else? Yeah. We got more and more coming on that front. So stay tuned there. And, uh, we also got a little, uh, trip planned to Fenway park with some guests. Stay tuned to find out who they are. It's a surprise. They do not play for the Red Sox. Yeah, you're right. They don't. Because if they did, that would be weird. They'd just be like sitting in the stands with us. Yeah, it's like, bro, don't have somewhere to be. <laughs> Aren't you on the clock right now? Aren't you on the clock right now? Uh, my closing out the ninth is just endured the first week of classes mm. at the University of New Hampshire. Senior year. Yeah, you're not supposed to say the S word, but oh, right. thanks for reminding me. It's the last time I'll say. That was not fun. If anybody was wondering how that went. And the other thing that I was going to say is something I can't remember. Go Red Sox. Right. Yeah. First in person. Have, have a good weekend. Woo. Awesome. Um, <laughs> awesome. What? Apparently, I already have an MLB TV account. Um, so, yeah, that's my closing out the night. Apparently, I already have an MLB TV account. That's awesome. Right. Go Sox. Go Sox. Big game against the Guardians tonight. Another big series against the Rays. Also, next week is episode 50. What are we going to do for that? I don't even say that sarcastically. Like, I don't even... Well, don't we have kind of a big thing planned? Oh, that's two weeks. That's two weeks. Well, let's the 17th. Can, let's just cancel next week. Let's just, I, almost, I almost want to take next week off just so that we can build the hype. Hmm. Can we do like a? We'll a talk live, about this. Maybe later. we do. Yeah. we do a live stream instead next week. I can talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk like about a, it later. We can do like an Instagram live. All right. Yeah. We have to save episode fifty for this big event. It's it's going to be a big event. You know, I think you guys will enjoy it, and I know for a fact there's going to be a lot of good content come out of coming out of Fenway Park that night. A lot of good talk, content. Well, anyways. Oh yeah, I do know. Didn't we say we we're going to do a free shirt giveaway episode fifty? I don't know, did we? I think I have something like we did. All right, we'll, 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 do we'll figure it out. All right. Anyways, thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you enjoyed the uh, the first in-person part of it. Hopefully the audio is decent. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Gone Bridge Podcast and Twitter at Gone Bridge. Don't forget to download the episodes wherever you listen to them. Always appreciate a little uh, review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back sometime soon with episode 50 see ya